All right, I'm going to read from um, 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. 1 Timothy 6. And I'm going to start in verse 1. It says this, Let as many servants as are under the yoke. Notice that word yoke. Count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name, which has to do with the nature and characteristics of God, and his teaching, his doctrine, is not, does not become an issue for people to blaspheme. That's really what it says. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them or lightly esteem them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are, well, they are faithful or they're believing they believe in Christ and his person and his work. And they are part of the beloved, partakers of the benefit, the benefit of grace. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the teaching, the doctrine, which is according to godliness, he is what? What does it say? He is proud. Proud here in the Greek means he is a fool. A fool. Knowing nothing. But what? Doing, or doting it says, but doting here. And, but really doting here, the, the, the Greek word is sick. Sick about questions and strifes of words. Listen. The best thing that we can do, the only thing that we should do as, as a part of a local assembly, it's not the questions, okay, that are disturbing us, okay? It's this, that we need to come and hear the Word of God. That's the reason that all of us are here. For one purpose is to come and hear the Word of God. I talked with with a dear friend of mine. And that's what we said. A lot of people have a lot of questions about a lot of things. When the issue is, and those questions can keep us from coming to hear the Word of God. When coming to hear the Word of God will do away with those questions. They just, they just, they're not even an issue. They're not, the questions are not an issue that we have. Okay? It's not... The answer is to come and hear the answer because the answer that we, may, that we may desire and don't have as a result of those questionings and because what do they lead to? Why does it say here sick? Why does it say that? They're doting. Doting about questions. Getting sick. The question this and that and that and that. And that. Do you and I think that the enemy might use those to cause distraction and division. Do you think he could possibly do that? He does. It's not the questions, folks. It's not. It's coming to hear the word of God, where God has called us into a local assembly. Listen, the sevenfold, sevenfold, all through church history, sevenfold. In Revelations chapters 2 and 3, Jesus is speaking to us as the church. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
here. And here means not just hearing it, but submitting to it. That's Romans 10, 17. Faith, dependence, learning dependence comes by what? Hearing. Hearing by what? The Word of God. That's what it says. And then in 10.14 of Romans, it says, How will they hear without a preacher? A specific man of God brought out beautifully in Hebrews 13.17, Obey them that are your guides. Where you are, obey them and submit to them. That's what it says. Perfect? Nope. Not at all. Perfect? In the experience, no, the Apostle Paul wasn't. And Christ was his pastor teacher. But was that the issue? Are the questions that we really have the issue? Or is the answer that we need to come and hear? Do you know what it says in Revelations 2 and verse 4? It says this, this is what happened. And and I'm going to read that with this. And we're going to see this. And we'll see this with all of us. Okay? Revelations chapter 2, verse 1 says, Unto the angel, angel there is messenger. I'm going to make this clear too about when it says angels, they're not cherubim or seraphim here that it's talking about. There's a lot of nonsensical teaching about those things, okay? It's not saying that at all. Angels, who were they? Even these angels that appeared to men who spoke in known languages, by the way. They were messengers here. It's not only talking to the pastors and teachers, because then some will even go as far as to say, this is the leading one over the assembly, the leading messenger, the leading pastor. It's not saying that at all, okay? It's not saying that at all. Are we not all messengers of Christ in some form? Because that's what this is talking about. But it's speaking to us as individuals that, as we see here, make up local assemblies in specific areas. So unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things, says he, that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know your works. Isn't that amazing? I know your works and your labor and your patience, and how you cannot bear them which are evil. Boy, he's just beautifully building them up in who they are, in him. That, and you have tried them which say they are apostles. You ever hear that today, right? <laughs> Even now today, those that say they are <laughs> and go by that. They which say they are apostles and are not. (laughs) And are found, what? What? What are they found? They found them as liars. Okay? They're being led by the father of all lies in John 8, verse 44. And has borne, put up with, and has patience, endurance. Remember those two words for patience, macrothumia and hupomone. And for my namesake, my very nature and namesake, and if it's for his namesake, please remember, and remember this, and I'll read this. This is part of our calling, folks. This is the thing 
a lot of times that we don't want anything to do with is part of the calling. Watch. This is Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. For unto you, the you here is all those that are born again and in, they are in Christ. For unto you it is given. Notice that? In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, to completely depend upon him for everything, but also to suffer for his sake. Notice that? To suffer for his sake. That's part of it. That's what Paul was saying, Colossians 1 and verse 24. That's what he was saying, that he didn't count his life dear unto himself in Acts 20, 24, so that he could walk and, and have Christ fulfill in him that ministering gift that he had for the church. You see that in Acts 20, 24 to 32. And that's why he even said in verse 32 of Acts 20, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Who is the word of his grace? It's Christ in each individual. Okay? That you may be edified and built up. So for unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, having the same conflict which you saw in me. Part of the conflict is, yes, you're called, but there's going to be suffering in that. And when it says the suffering here, it's righteous suffering. It is the 2 Timothy 2.12, if you suffer, notice, with me. A lot of times we suffer as a result of our sins, but is that with him and it is even who we are? No. Having the same conflict. Folks, you and I, we're in a conflict. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 which you saw in me, and now even here to be in me. And then read Philippians, then it goes right into Philippians, the second chapter. There's no chapter and verses in the original coin. It just flows beautifully. But here again, so we understand Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3, and has borne and has patience. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of suffering. And for my name's sake, notice, the patience of suffering, those two Hebrew, uh, Greek words, for my nature's sake has labored, notice, the labor that was being accomplished in and through them was of his nature, in them as a vessel that they became one with. And has not, listen to this, has not, what? Fainted, turn coward, give up, turn tail, lose your grip and go. That's what it says. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I have, and when you say somewhat, you'll see it in translations, it's italicized. We've taught before, when you see something in a translation, and if it's italicized, it's there for two reasons. One, for the lack of something better, it's put there. Two, it does not belong there. In this particular case, according to the original Koine Greek New Testament, and scores of other truths, this does not belong there. He's not saying, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. No, I strongly have this against you. He is not mincing words with it. I strongly have this against you. Because why? You left your first love. You left being led by me. Folks, how does he lead us today? Right where we are right now, how does he lead us? Does it have to do with his will? Does it have to do with my will submitted to him? And if it's his will, is it his word? And if I don't have his word, do I have thoughts that aren't his? Yes. 
Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen and repent. Change your mind. Do an above faith and do the first works. Or else I will come unto you quickly and remove your candlestick out of his place, except you repent. Really, what this is saying to us is, what's a candlestick? Well, if you understand Proverbs 20, 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. It says, searching all the inward parts. What's he searching? What's inwardly? What are the thoughts? Are they his? Are they his in a proper order? Does God give us his words in a proper order? Does he? He most certainly does. He does all things in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. All things decently and in order. He does. Because if it's not that, it's going to be confusion and it's not, we're not going to experience the life and peace that's ours in Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. I will remove it out of the place. Meaning, he's, just, he's not able to fellowship with you. Not only do you lose the benefit of this intimate fellowship with him, but you also lose the other double blessing, him using you for others. And what a blessing that is, isn't it? Using you for others. The unfortunate thing that can happen, this is unfortunate, and this can happen, and this is what Paul was saying, and this is what he was saying to these. And to understand the book of Hebrews, to understand it properly, and for all those particular hard verses, like in the sixth chapter of Hebrews, and in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, there's certain portions in there that Christians, so-called even scholars, have struggled with for years because they didn't understand it at all. The book of Hebrews was written to Christians. They were Jews. They had accepted Christ. They had learned these things. They had them declared to them. They knew them in measure but they started to slip back into the old ways of Judaism. That's what happened to them. And that's why he wrote this. And we, if we had the time to go into these things specifically, and I plan on doing that right here. I plan on doing it here. And we plan on doing it again uh, to the folks in Texas. Here is Hebrews, the fifth chapter. This is verse 11. This is verse 11. And listen to this. And by the way, I, I wanna, I've said this before, and God is bringing it up again. If you hear the voice, folks, God called us here based upon capacity. There is no question about it. He couldn't bless us he wouldn't bless us beyond our capacity. He called us here because of that capacity that he knew that we had that he could fill and bless. There's no question about that. He doesn't do it otherwise. It wouldn't make any sense. It would not be his order. But here's what happens. Here's Hebrews, the fifth chapter in the 11th verse. Of whom we have many things to say. Who's the... Who's of whom we have many things to say? It's in the 10th verse. It's Jesus Christ, our high priest. Look at what it says. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Why are they so hard for the guy that wants to say them? Why? Seeing you are dull of hearing. Seeing 
You are dull of hearing. If you hear the voice, you're here. You're right here. If you ever hear the voice that says, it's too much, it's too deep, I am telling you, it's a lie. Because God would not call you to a place to give you the truth and then tell you it's too much. There, there, I believe that it was too much for some, but I in no way, before, before God and in his presence, think it's too much for a single person here, in the least. Because if you can go to college and you have to study and make yourself do things that you can't otherwise do until you give yourself over in discipline, and it starts with that discipline and preparation, are you going to go forward even in that thing that you desire, whatever occupation it may be? And there's a difference between a vocation and an occupation. A vocation is what I do in the details of life. Occupation is Christ. And when should that not that occupation enter into the vocation as Christians? Of whom we have many things to say, hard to be uttered. Why? Seeing you are dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers. Listen, folks. When the time where God has called you to give you what, what he knows can bless you in your capacity, but not only you, you, but to use you for others, you have to go back and be taught again. Oh, boy. You have need that one teach you again. Which be the first principles. Oh, I'd rather have that. It's too hard. This is too much. Listen. Listen. When is it not going to be? I had someone tell me, again, no matter where they go, they're, gonna, they're still going to get it. God's still going to deal with them. I'm just telling you. You know how I know that? I know that with me. You know, how many, you know in my young life, you know how many times I tried to outrun him? Read Psalm 139. Start in verse 7 and go to 12. Tell me if you can outrun him. You have need that one teach you again. The first principles of the oracle should be oracles. Should be, it's one full word. It's Christ, by the way. Of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. It's too much. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it is not. <laughs> is that clear? For everyone that uses milk is unskillful. Do you know what that says in the Greek? I promise you. You know what it says? Doesn't have an experience. I can declare it all day long, but do I experience it? I know what other, I think others should do, but I even, do I even know in my own life? It's almost like, well, who died and pointed you chief? <laughs> who died and made you chief? You ever hear that one? I don't know. Am I chief over me? No. I have one master. I have one master. There's no question about it. But if you want to understand how the gifts should work, in Ephesians 4, 
in chapter 11 with Hebrews 13, 7 and 17, if you know clearly Hebrews, uh, Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter and verses 9 through 13, you can read those and get a really good correlation of those things. I like to ask, man, man, when's the last time you had prayer with your wife? When's the last time you cracked the word and had the word? Not questions, but just had fellowship in your home around Christ. Tell me when. That's convicting to me. I promise you that's convicting to me. I promise you. Okay? Because what were your occupations otherwise? What was your talk around? Was it your vocation? Your circumstance, situation, details, job? Hmm? Or was it your occupation? No wonder Jesus said in Luke 19, 13, be occupied and with me until I come. That's just not him about coming back. That's just be occupied with me till I tell you to go forward, till I tell you what to do. <laughs> Lord, help us. For everyone that uses milk does not have experience, right? You're not going to want a babe, 1 John 2, 12 to 14. There are three classes of people in any local assembly at any, at any given time. Babes, young men, spiritual dads. There you go. And spiritual moms, too. And spiritual babies, male, female, men. When it says men, it's... You know, men, boys and girls, just want to make it clear. And then in the preponderance of the spiritual dads, you see that is 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Did you know, even in our relationships, why does it say that, rebuke not an elder? Why does it say that? It's talking about an older person. That means, that means you don't even answer them back. You remember growing up, your parents told you to do something? And they reproved, reproved you, and you reproved them back. That means you answered them back. <laughs> oh, Lord. See, it's not that, it's not only that we violate uh, the person. It's not that we're violating the person. We're violating God's order. And does God not honor his order? Does he deal with failures in individuals within that order? There's no question about it. Now, for everyone that uses milk doesn't have a proper experience in the word of righteousness. I may be able to declare it, the word of righteousness, for he is but a babe. Meaning, I can have knowledge, but I don't have experience. God, I mean, I don't have experience for myself. What is my home life like? What is my personal life? Never mind somebody else. <laughs> God, wow. Is that God's order? Where is my mind going? <laughs> God, then I start questioning me, and I start questioning everybody else. Out of order. Completely out of order. Something wrong with that. In the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But strong meat belong to them that are of full age. You know what that means in the original full age? That means this. They have the habit of continually being matured. I'm going to tell you something. That happens through the Word. It's the only way it happens. Okay? That's it. They're full of age. They're, they're mature and growing. And even those who by reason of use, right, 
by reason of use, have their senses exercised. All right. Yes. You have a desire. Yeah, you, you have some pretty good skill. You have a desire. Yeah, I want to go to the Olympics. Okay. Skip the preparation. Go ahead. Skip the discipline. Then get in the race and run it. And let's see where you finish. Where do you finish? This is exactly what this is saying. I don't want to do it. I, I, I want to know these things, but I don't want to experience them. Does that make any sense? Does that make a lick of sense? No. Have, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Can evil affect the believer? It can. Can. In so many ways. Now, by the time we get to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we get into Hebrews, the 12th chapter, this is what God is doing with our circumstances and situations. Folks, I am telling you. Okay? This is it. Now, either my circumstances or my situation will guide me in my decisions, answers, and questions, or Christ, in the midst of my circumstances and situations, will be my guide. How does he do that? Does he do that apart from a local assembly? Does he? He does not. Read Revelations chapters 2 and 3. Read Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that are guides, your guides, and submit to them, knowing that they watch for your souls, meaning they see far beyond what you see. Far beyond what you see. Way beyond you may be able to declare the same things that they do, but you do not yet have even close the experience. You don't. And the enemy, listen, the enemy will trip you up in a heartbeat. And the only way he can is when we function in the flesh. And tell me, you think there's any questions there? You tell me, what question has not God already answered through his son in a specific order, in a proper location, in a, in a local assembly. You tell me. You just can't. But he has a process of doing a whole, and what's this, this is what's happening, folks. I don't know if you realize it. I don't know if you realize this. Where we are in our country, in the cycles of discipline that God has for a nation, if you've ever studied it, it's very intense. But God is doing some shaking here. And believe me, he is shaking them in Texas. And boy, is he shaking it right here. <laughs> yes, sir. We have that in common, don't we? But he's only shaking. He's shaking. What you and I in the flesh don't want and don't like to be shaken. But that's going to stop him. Well, he would have to fall short of who he is if it did. And God is... You want to know what love to be loved means? You want to know? You need guides. You need guides. You need someone. You need a guide to explain to you the very nature, character, and essence of God through the Word in a continuous way in a local assembly. And not being off willy-nilly everywhere. I'm just, I'm just telling you straight out. I'm telling it like it is. You know? And don't be surprised 
if it sounds like I'm talking to the folks here, don't be surprised. <laughs> and don't be surprised if you think that God's bypassing me. And I don't even have to say that, but I am going to say it. He's not bypassing me. He's not bypassing a single person here. Okay? Simple. But one of the things that he's shaking in us, in the flesh, what resides in our flesh that we are completely ignorant of? We may be able to declare truths about the flesh, but in specific areas have I experienced its reality. What is it? Resistance. Pride. Stubbornness. All kinds of idols. All kinds of attachments. Now the enemy... To keep us in a certain area of thinking or questioning, you don't think he'd use the word. Did he use the word with Eve in the garden? Yes, he did. You think there was a lie somewhere involved in that? You think he's subtle? You think he's subtle? Do you, you think, do you and I think, do young, do babes and do young men and women think, think they can do without their spiritual dads? You think so? It's scriptural. You cannot do so. They're not perfect. Again, I don't, you know, that's, that's a given, isn't it, at this point? Because there's attachments, and we bring those in the flesh into Christianity, and those things have to be removed for us to have a proper experience of what true knowledge truly is. Because what good is knowledge without experiencing the reality of it in my own individuality? What good is it? So, here's what happens. There's many things the enemy has to become attached to us. We all know habits attached. You know what? They're based upon our flesh that's in us in Romans 8 9, but that we're not of. Do you think the enemy understands evilly, an evil genius, our flesh, far more than you and I ever could even dream of? Yeah. Two things we can't ever know, and they don't change the flesh. That's why it's crucified, and who we are in Christ. That's why it says in Ephesians 3.19, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. <laughs> and we're never going to come to the end of that. But yet there's no end to the questions, the irritation, the frustration of the flesh. The circumstances and situations are bringing that out. That's what it's doing. And God is doing that. That's why he said to Peter, as we wrap this up this morning, that's why he said to Peter in Luke 22, 31 and 32, Simon, Simon. And God could say every one of our names. He could say just, Ed, Ed, Satan has desired you personally to put you in a sieve and to violently shake you, to turn your whole world upside down, to make you have his thoughts and his feelings. He's going to violently shake you. Yes. But I have prayed for you. This is what Jesus said. But I have prayed for you. He didn't pray that Peter wouldn't fail. Because that's not how Christ knew him. That's not how he knows us. He knows us in himself. He said, I prayed that your faith will not fail. I pray that you don't stop depending on me and my word for everything. That's what he prayed. And when you're strengthened, 
when he's given you grace, when you mature, when, you, when your own home life is set. When you're all set in your life, now you can strengthen the brethren. But please don't think you could do it otherwise. And none of us are perfect in this area. That's why gifts function in a certain way, in a certain place, in a certain, certain local assembly. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, and in, in Revelations chapters 2 and 3. It's not too much what's being said today. All you got to do is concentrate with me and follow, because if I can, guarantee you, you can. Attachments. The enemy has these attachments. I'm going to tell you why. And don't think that we can't be deceived in Revelations 12, 9, because if he can deceive me, at any time he wants, he can accuse me. In 12, 10 of Revelations. Attachments. What is he trying to establish in us? I want to make this very clear. It's called security performance. You know what that means? You know what security performance is? This is what it is. I gotta have, if everything's the way I like it, where I go, who I'm with, what I do, what I'm used to, this gives me this security and it keeps me performing. But is it in Christ? No, it's my circumstances, my situation, my job, who I think I should go with, where I think I can be comfortable and free. Free? Are you kidding me? And again, if folks think I am, honestly, if folks think that I am, that God is using this to speak to people directly, I can, don't ask me, I'm telling you, if you felt that, that was God with you. And I am. <laughs> I am. Just them. Security performance. I don't feel secure right now. I don't like the way things are right. Yeah, you don't like being shaken. Who does? Who does? You think you can go forward properly and be matured without it? Really? Huh? Really? You don't want the ground dug up? You don't want the ground of your life dug up? Well, how's you going to plant the seeds? I don't want that. I just want the seeds. Yeah, okay, not happening, right? In any, in any other environment. Instead, he wants security performance instead of primary security. Foundational, positional, primary security. Stop. And you know what that does? It stops the blame game. It stops making my circumstance, my situations, and people, people in a local assembly, it stops them from being the issue. Because everything is reduced down to me and Christ, to you and Christ. Period. Everything. Not just some things, everything. Everything. There's not a question about it. And so, what is in the flesh? That it desires security performance. I want to have everything just the way I want it. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, so you want to be a medical doctor. Skip the classes. Skip them. Go ahead. Skip the process, the disciplines. I don't want to do it. Skip it and go be a surgeon. Go ahead. I know one thing. I don't want you operating on me. <laughs> you going to skip that whole process? Not going to happen. 
not going to happen. I love what my dear friend Mike Fenton said to me. He said, Ed, he said, I just want to tell you, as I talked to him yesterday, this is what he said to me. He said, I finally think that the men here are at a place where they can receive the teaching and what your gift has to offer, and we need it. That's what he said to me. You can ask him yourself. He'll be up here anyway. So that's what he said to me. <laughs> I didn't say that. He said it. But I want you to know, I do agree with him in the order of my relationship that God has established with Mike Fenton over 22 years. God is, what he's doing is getting away doubts, fears, insecurities, the deception of the self-life. Listen, the deception of the self-life is not for the individual. It's not for yourself. And it's not for others. You may think so. You may think you have some answers for others, but you can miss them for yourself. Finally, there's so much more in this, and I am going to, listen, Tuesday, we established this, folks. Come on. We Did we not establish it? Didn't I not? Did, wasn't it going to be available for 7? Is that before a lot of people's work time? Okay, see you then, Tuesday 7. Friday 7, Sunday 10, you know. Because after all, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Why'd God call us here? Because he wants to establish these truths in us, and they need to be. There's no question about it. There is absolutely no question about it. I'll close with this. I'm just going to read these, and we're going to stop, because again, we're just kind of just kind of nipping at the edges of this reality of what God is, is bringing to us. And when I say we are, I'm, I'm with you. Maybe a little further up on the mountain, by grace, because we're all on that same climb. The climb is grace. Some are a little further than others. Not that they're better, but they're a little better off in what they know. <laughs> Come on. Huh? And you want to help those, don't you? You get up further on the mountain, don't you want to turn around and say to them, hey, don't do that. I did it. Please don't. Don't, don't go that way. I, I know. Please don't go that way. I'm going to close with this. And this would just literally, please know this. Everything being said, this morning is for all of us who are in Christ. And is there any condemnation in Christ? Any at all? None. Romans 8.1. Okay, this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure and unmovable. Who's the foundation? It's Christ. Read Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. Read Psalm 11, verse 3. Those are some foundation verses. They all point to Christ. It stands immovable, having this seal. In other words, the Holy Spirit has sealed the person and work of Christ, and he wants to do that in each individual, not just in declarative knowledge, but actual intimate experience. The Lord knows them that are his. Don't you want to know him that knows you? Can I do that in the flesh? Do I even want to? Read Romans 8, 4 to 8. The Lord knows those that are his, and let everyone, did you see one there? That names the name of Christ apart from what? Iniquity, 
my own will, not God's will, and I can even use scripture to back it up. Yeah, I know, so can the devil, whoopee. You know, James 2.19, even the demons believe, but they tremble. You know why they tremble? Because they can declare it, but they ain't experiencing it. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. This can be a local assembly, but it can also be us as individuals in Christ. We have things in us that aren't of the gold and silver that, we, that Christ has made us to be positionally. And so we still function experientially in the wood, hay, and stubble. Some of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now listen to this. If a man, listen to me, a man, a individual, therefore purge himself from these. How are you going to do that? Do you know how? Do you know how? How does God love people? You want to tell me you want love? I do. How? I'm telling you how. I'm telling you how he does it. Because you're not going to, and I'm not going to experience his love for me that I, he's positioned me in, in eternity. I'm not going to experience it in time until the flesh in areas is out. I don't experience love. Then I will determine what love is, who God is, based upon good and evil, just like the world. What's the difference between my flesh and those that are unsaved in the world? Any different? No. Why do you think Christians, when they don't go forward, they go back to the same things they used to do when they were in the world? Because they're not going forward. It's too hard. It's too much. Ha! Ah, the liar. And I'm not mocking a soul here. You best believe me. I know who's behind it. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, set apart from the old, set into Christ, listen, for God's use. You know the only reason, you know the only thing the scriptures say that we, now that we're in Christ, our bodies should be used for? For him. Not another thing. Did you hear that? And what directs the body? Is it the soul or the spirit over the soul? In Hebrews 4, verse 12. Sanctified. Sanctified. And meat for the master's use. Meat. Meat. Qualified there. Means qualifications are for the use of Christ alone. My physical body is used for Christ alone. Period. Otherwise, it's not for me and for anybody else. Prepared unto every good work. Now what? Flee also youthful lusts and follow. Read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Read 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. Read Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. Read those particular verses. Flee also youthful lusts. You think they change in an 80-year-old? A 69-year-old, a 58-year-old, you think they change? Again, it's not for anyone else to discern and answer back on, by the way. I'll make that clear in God's order. Listen, if you don't like God's order, and I don't, we're not going to go forward. We're going to settle for something less, I promise you. Qualified 
for the use of Christ alone and prepared unto every good work, flee youthful lust and follow righteousness, dependence, love, peace. You know, do you see the order of those? What kind of love? Righteous love. What kind of love? Dependent love. Do I experience love without dependence? No. What gets in the way? The flesh. Determine, discern good and evil for myself or someone else. Our own business isn't even ours. Never mind anyone else's. Prepared unto every good work. Flee all, also youthful lust, but follow, but separates the lust. Follow. Righteousness, faith, love, peace. With them that call on the Lord out of a heart that's been purified, a mind that's pure. But foolish. Folks, listen. This is why I said, you got questions? Skip them. Come and hear the word of God. Because I guarantee you, almost every single time, you'll get the answer that you didn't even think you knew, or anyone else knew, and it was between you and God that he's going to answer you. But foolish and unlearned questions. Most believers, their questions are based upon the fact they don't have proper teaching. And they may know these truths, but do they experience them? Knowing that unlearned questions avoid. Stop the questions coming here. You get the answer. Knowing that they do gender, gender strifes, separations, divisions. That's that the person that functioned that is separated from Christ in their thought life. Jeez, no wonder it says in Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking yourselves together. Okay? I'm going to say it. Make it clear. Okay? Not forsaking yourselves together as the manner of some is. But do it much more. Huh? Tuesday, Friday, Wednesday night, Sunday morning. Oh. We, I think we can give God like four or six hours out of a whole week, right? <laughs> Aren't we special when we do that? <laughs> Isn't, that a, isn't that awesome? Knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not what? Strive. What would cause them to strive? Foolish and unlearned questions. I can't figure it out. Jeez, I don't know what to do. I don't know. What do you mean? You're a local assembly. You come and hear the word of God. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it's too much. No, it's not. It's a lie. It ain't the truth. But be gentle unto all, highly skillful to teach. Highly skillful in teaching. That's Hebrews 13, 17. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Read them. They're a beautiful correlation in the Word of God. I mean, I don't know how to do it, folks. You want to go learn to be, you know, you want to graduate high school, you want to graduate college, now you got to go and you got to do a doctorate. Do you want to advance in your Christian experience? Well, that's what happens. Unto all, apt to teach, forbearing. God, that is forbearing. Forbearing here is that Hebrew, uh, that Greek word. That Greek word, it's not hupomone. Hupomone, okay, is surrendering to God all your circumstances and situations that seem to come against you. That's hupomone. 
macrothumia here, forbearing those that you teach. <laughs> As sometimes you're going to get this backlash, <laughs> a constant resistance, a constant backlash, okay? And you need to forbear it and put up with it and need to be gentle. And we're all growing in that, in, our, in, in some form of a relationship. In meekness, instructing those that what? Oppose who? Themselves. If God, if, and he may or may not, peradventure, again, may or may not, third class, of the uh, classification of the Greek word if, will give them repentance. Who does he give how does he give a change of mind? Does it come through grace? Who does he give grace to? To the acknowledging of the truth. And I'll stop there. To the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves. And recover means that they may awake themselves out of the snare of the devil that were taken alive, captive by him, by his will. <laughs> oh boy. Well, mm, the <laughs> to the acknowledging of the truth. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means every thought. Answer. You won't lean to your own understanding. My own understanding outside of him has to do with being deceived by the devil and accused in some form. Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Result, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You need to know, is it him? Do you know that? Do you have perfect peace? Do you know it? Does God give perfect peace outside the perfection of his order? No. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And then you'll stop being wise in your own eyes, but you'll reverence him. And therefore, depart from evil. You know why? Because it's going to be health to your navel. You know why we still have these? You know what this is reminding us? We're still dependent. Remember, we, we chose to be born, right, in mommy's womb? We, that was our choice. That had to do with our will, right? It had to do with God's will. Huh? You see that? In biblical court, mommy's right? Mommy eats, baby, baby takes in. Dependent. It'll be health unto your navel, marrow unto your bones. That's where we get strong bones from the marrow. That's literally talking about this. And if you have strong bones, you can build what on that? Strong muscles. Going back to Hebrews, the fifth chapter, in verses 13 to 15. So, Father, thank you for your love for us this morning because this is love. We thank you for it. Thank you for your love, your patience, your guidance, your direction, and even, even when our feet are still planted in the ground and you're pulling us, <laughs> dragging us, <laughs> shaking us, shaking us, not that you're against us, but that you're for us and there can't be a proper operation of God in a proper order outside of being shaken and we can't be shaken properly outside of a local assembly. It just doesn't happen that way. Because that's how God does it in, a, in the whole fourth chapter of Ephesians. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.